and welcome to the Real Life Sports Show. This podcast is for sports fans, whether you're playing it, interested in it, or looking to learn from high achievers. My name is Sam Adams. I'm known as the Real Life Coach. I'm a business owner and a life coach, and I work with sports professionals, athletes, coaches, and people in and around the industry. I help those people live more expansively, more authentically, so that they can enhance their performance, whether that's playing their game or living their real life. My background is in business. I've been in business for over 20 years in property. I've mentored and coached in that industry, and that led me into being a life coach. I'm super passionate about sports, and that's what led me to working in that industry and creating this podcast. In this podcast, I'm going to be talking to some amazing human beings, some elite athletes and people from that industry. We're going to be talking about the glory, the glamour, the achievements and the medals. But we're also going to go to the real life bit, behind the scenes, what it really takes to excel. We're going to talk about the guts, the determination, the grit and the grime. For you, the listener, you're going to get some great takeaways and insight, whether you're looking to achieve for yourself around your mindset or your personal development. This is the podcast for you. So if you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to leave me a five-star review and any comments you have. So here we go, the Real Life Sports Show. So yes, welcome everybody. You heard the intro. This is the Real Life Sports Show with me, Sam Adams. And today I'm joined with another uh, awesome guest. I'll tell you, I'm doing so good on these guests. I'm super proud of myself. Um, Reaching out to these incredible athletes and so many of them are being so gracious to come back and say, hey, why not? Let's give it a go. And today I'm joined by Raquel Pennington. Rocky, I don't know if you prefer to be called Raquel or Rocky or how is it? Uh... You know, I mean, either way, sometimes my family calls me Rocky, all my friends call me Rocky, fighting calls me Rocky, and then other times people call me Raquel. Although I must say, sometimes when uh, people call me Raquel, I feel in trouble now. (laughs) Yeah, it's like I'm I'm a Sam, Um, well, Samantha, but everyone calls me Sam, and then the only time I hear Samantha is I know that I'm in, in the doghouse, basically. It's usually by my mother, so I totally get that. So I'm going to call you Rocky, if that's okay. Sounds good. Awesome. So do you, rather than me introduce you, um, if I could get you to introduce yourself and then I will sort of tell the little story about how I, I came across you because UFC is not my world. So, yeah. Who is Raquel Rocky Pennington? Uh, so I'm actually a Colorado native. I was born and raised in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm 32 years old. I've been an athlete since I was five years old. Um, super family oriented, super outgoing. I live a very adventurous um, non-stop life I guess you can say um I'm been in the UFC I'm ranked within the top 10 in the world uh had a little bit of a suspension going on so I was pulled out of the rankings but before that all happened um I've been ranked fourth in the world for a while now and I mean outside of that it's just you know I love living life to the fullest I coach high school gymnastics um I do a lot of interaction with the community around me um I mean yeah for the most part that's me brilliant awesome well thank you for that introduction and and your honesty and sharing you know I was um, I was gonna touch on the suspension I'm glad you brought it up maybe we'll get to that in a little bit let's see how this goes I mean like I say UFC is not my world like I'm a massive massive sports fan obviously I'm based in the UK so anyone listening to this I'm in the UK 
Rocky is over in Colorado. Um, and UFC isn't my world, but a friend of mine loves UFC. My brother is a massive kind. He loves all like American football, American sports. Um, and he kind of likes all that fighting stuff as well. But one of my friends sort of has been throwing UFC sort of under my radar, as it were. And then I think it was on Instagram. I saw a video of you and your partner because your partner is also a UFC fighter, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that I think it came up. Is it Together? The the There's an organization yeah. called Together. Yeah. Um, and I saw a video of you and your partner. And I thought, hell yeah, do you know what? I think I'm going to reach out to these guys and see if I can get them on my podcast. Because after my friend had, like I say, kept banging on to me about UFC and you want to get somebody from UFC, um, I thought, well, this, this is obviously serendipitous that you came into my radar and you graciously accepted to come on. So, yeah, no, thank you so much for doing it. I mean, the whole point of the podcast is normally just a really relaxed chat. I mean, I work with athletes and sports professionals from a life coaching point of view. Um, but I'm super interested in sport. I'm really um, keen to get people to let people have an understanding of what it takes to be an elite athlete mentally and physically, because you know what it's like when you love something. Like I said, I love all sports. The Olympics are on right now, night and day. I'm watching the telly. We think it looks so bloody easy. Do you know what I mean? It's like we have no clue really <laughs> what it takes work goes into it yeah exactly what it takes and obviously i know from a point of view of dealing with some of my clients but we kind of all want to know what it what goes on behind the scenes so i, I just want to start firstly with just kind of like how the hell do you get in to be in a ufc fighter i mean that's not something you wait as a five-year-old six-year-old or maybe it is now i don't know but how the hell did that happen I mean, I feel like nowadays the sport has definitely grown. Um, it's becoming well-known and it's a big thing. It's on the rise. And so, yeah, a lot of the younger generation, they're starting really young in it and growing um, and becoming phenomenal athletes and they're going to have bright futures. For me, I mean, the first time I ever heard of MMA, UFC, any type of like cage fighting was mm -hmm. I was 19 years old. Um, I was actually visiting my dad in Florida at the time. And he's like, Hey, watch this fight. Like check out these kind of fights. And I always grew up, you know, with boxing and everything and whatnot, but that was the only kind of fighting I paid attention to. Um, and I mean, it was crazy when they're sitting there throwing each other around, they're wrestling, elbowing each other, kneeing each other. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Um, but for me, I actually got into it. I broke my back and I couldn't take any of my athletic scholarships to college. So it was kind of a gear changer. I mean, I took an academic scholarship to the, uh, the university here in Colorado and I was just kind of going through rehab, getting back in shape. And, um, my mom and I were at the gym one night working out. And I remember the first team I started with, they were training in a little yoga studio in the back of the gym hmm. with those little, uh, like half inch, uh, puzzle mats. Oh yeah. They were tossing each other around like crazy. They were doing judo and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, well, that looks fun. It just looked intense. I love challenges. And um, I think it for me, it was more so of a joke just because at one point in time, I was about 12 and I told my parents I wanted to box. And they were like, no, you're too pretty and your teeth are way too nice. It's not happening. <laughs> so I just grew up tomboy and like was kind of just uh, roughed up with the guys that played tackle football out in the um, cul-de-sac between our houses on the pavement. And, mm. you know, I mean, that was just that. And so that's where the joke came in. Cause I was like, Oh, well, you didn't want me to box and MMA looks way more intense. Um, yeah. So I went and talked to the coach and I think my mom at the time just thought it'd be something good to kind of get me motivated again, get me out of like that little like depressive state I was in. Mm. Um, so 
I talked to him and my first training session ever was a spar session. I got fed to the wolves, but it was pretty fun. And ever since then, I got addicted to the challenge, um, discovered I was really good at it, fought my first fight four months later. And here I am 14 years later. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And especially to go into a sport, like if you think, you know, and I think about all the people I've interviewed for this podcast, most people get into their sport way before they're 19, right? They're, they're doing it as a kid, you know, football or whatever. Um, and you do it for all your school years, your academic years. So to get into something at, at the age of 19 seems relatively late. Is that quite common for your sport? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, for my sport, a lot of people started around that age and they even start later. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, now that the sport's really growing, kids are starting at a very young age. Um, but when I first started, I mean, it wasn't something that was crazy well known. And so you were older. Uh, I think for me, it helped out just being an athlete. I mean, I grew up, like I said, in athletics since the age of five. I've done every sport you can possibly think of. And so just pretty much having that foundation, having that discipline, that uh, ambitious ment mentality, um, I think it, that's what pretty much helped me. Yeah. Do you, um, obviously you was into loads of sports as a, as a kid. And I did read that about you actually. I think that's really common with a lot of athletes that I've spoken to and you only got to look at a lot. I'm a massive tennis fan. Look at Ash Barty, who's just won, you know, all these tennis accolades, number one in the world. And she was an amazing cricketer. She can play golf to a high level. It's, it's not uncommon that you get an elite athlete that's also good at pretty much lots of other sports. I mean, I would say, I mean, I'm not elite and I'm a lot older than you, but I had just have that natural talent for sport. <laughs> I'm 54. Like you're about 30, yeah. aren't you? Oh, cool. Thank you. Uh, I think you, what, you're 31, 30, 31, aren't you around that age? I think. 32. Right. Okay, cool, cool. I mean, when you were a kid and obviously went, sorry, when you got like 19 and you want to give that a go then, because like, you know, how you said your family were a bit like, or your mum was a bit like, you know, with the boxing, but then, you know, MMA, which is, which is like, just stands for mixed martial arts, right? I mean, it's brutal because it's just my looking at it from my very sort of layman's point of view, there is no protection. It's full on, full out combat. Yeah. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong. No, you're correct. <laughs> you're correct. There's a big debate, you know, I mean, I will never take away from any sport. Um, you know, I mean, being an athlete in general is just a hard thing to do. And so every sport has its challenges and whatnot, but there's a big debate when it comes to like boxers and MMA fighters, which is why you see a lot of the like boxing and MMA fighters trying to fight each other or the mm -hmm. boxers just because, I mean, everybody kind of has their egos and has their pride. But at the end of the day, like you said, I mean, it's full blown out there. Like it's yeah. not just flying. You have to worry about kicks. You have to worry about elbows. You have to worry about knees. You have to worry about takedowns. You have to worry about getting some sort of your body twisted up, getting choked, um, there's so much more to pay attention to. And I mean, in boxing, you're wearing heavier gloves as opposed to MMA, you have little four ounce gloves and then mm. you have open palms, you have open fingers. Um, you're sitting there and I mean, even with the kicks alone, like kicking each other, it's completely, it's just, it's a different ball game. I mean, mm. it's pretty brutal. And so we always make a joke every time, like you cross another MMA fighter or something. We're like, Oh yeah, we've got a couple screws loose to be doing this. <laughs> I, well, to be fair, I think you must have. Like I've watched, it, I've watched a bit of it since I knew you were coming on the podcast, and I'm just like, yeah, it's just out and out brutal as far as I can see. And I and I wonder about the mentality of people that do it. It's like because it doesn't sound like I mean, 
don't look like an aggressive kind of woman. You don't look like, you know, you've done, you did anything really aggressive before this, you know, is there, is there a natural aggression within you? Is it something you can switch on when you get into the, it's the octagon, right? When you go, it's not a ring when yep. you step in, is there something within you? What, what do you think? Cause honest to God, I'd be shit freaking scared. There is no way I'm doing that. Like no way. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not, it's something that's not for everybody. Um, for me, like you said, I'm not an aggressive person. Um, I don't have anger issues. I come across a lot of people. They're like, Oh, you're that MMA fighter. You must be super aggressive. Like, did you grow up being just angry? And it was like, no, like I grew up just being an athlete. I grew up being competitive. I grew up loving challenges. And that's the thing with MMA. Like it doesn't matter how good you get it. You can be great at something, but the sport is constantly evolving. And with so many different aspects that you have to focus on, Mm. it's always a challenge there's always a curveball and that's what I'm addicted to like I love the challenges I love constantly like okay the minute I get something all of a sudden there's 10 more things that I have to figure out and then you know what I mean like you just constantly keep progressing and then the adrenaline it's just one of a kind so I mean I'm not angry but you can call me an adrenaline junkie for sure yeah there's there is you know like I'm competitive like if I go and play any sport even even now at my ripe old age I still want to win. I still want to be, I went and did the local, like we do a park run here. It's a, I don't know, I don't think you have it in America. I don't know if you heard it, but we have these things called park runs. It's a franchise. Everyone runs 5k at 9am on a Saturday morning. I still want to pick off everybody that's ahead of me. Like, I'm like, come on. And I have to think, come on, they're probably like 20 years younger than you, but I still want to, <laughs> I still, yeah. I go and play tennis on a Sunday and a Monday and I still want to win. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm a, I step in there and I, and I am a bit mean because I want to win. Um, so kind of, kind of get it. But, but like I say, MMA is a completely different ball game. Do you, is there, because there's so, there looks like there's so many different elements to it. Skills, like you say, there's kicking, there's punching, there's everything thrown in holds and all sorts how you know how do you train for that because I can imagine that your training is pretty full-on anyway even with any discipline if you're just a boxer or not just a boxer but you know what I mean if you're a boxer or, or, or a sprinter or whatever but actually MMA there is so many different te- technical various skills mm. from what I can see anyway what do you do do you spend more time on your weaknesses do you how, how does it work yeah, you know, I mean, for other sports, I feel like, you know, and me growing up in every other sport, it was easy to focus on that one craft. Like if I had basketball practice, okay, I'm focusing on basketball. And I mean, mm-hmm. everything, you're sitting there doing dribbling drills, you're shooting, you're whatever it is, defensive drills, but it's all related to like your overall game in there. And then if I had another practice, maybe it was like sprints or some sort of weightlifting, but yeah. that's what it was worth between. Um And so with MMA, you know, it's harder because like you said, we do have so many aspects of it. And I mean, I have a busy schedule, like it's hard to fit in everything. And I'm the type of athlete that like, I love overall MMA training so we can put it all together and whatnot. But I kind of use that when I'm in a fight camp and those will be my spar sessions to where it's like, that's when I tie everything together and we're doing full blown MMA and the intensity picks up. Other than that, I like to break down every aspect. So, you know, I mean, uh, one morning I'll have kickboxing Muay Thai Mm. that evening. I might have boxing the next day. I may have strength and conditioning and then jujitsu and wrestling. And you know Mm. what I mean? Like that's how the week goes. And then on top of that, focusing on nutrition and everything else, uh, recovery rest. So, I mean, it just, it plays out for a very busy schedule. Mm. Um, I do like to 
really focus on my weaknesses. Um, but I do find a good mix in there. You know what I mean? And we kind of tie everything together. So it's like, all right, like as I'm warming up, I explain to my coaches what I did in my previous session. And then all of a sudden we'll tie that and we'll kind of like flow it in. Like, it'll just be like a nice little flow. Mm -hmm. And then the intensity goes into, so if I started kickboxing that morning, maybe I'll do some shadow boxing drills into a nice wrestling shot. And then from there I'm working on my wrestling into jujitsu. And so it's kind of just like kind of reiterating everything and getting a bunch of repetition of everything. But I mean, there is a big difference in my schedule from when I played basketball, volleyball, softball, ran mm. cross country, did track, um, as opposed to doing MMA. Like it definitely keeps me busy. I don't think I've ever taken so many naps in the day. Usually, <laughs> I, but I love naps now. And um, so, yeah, I mean, the downtime and whatnot is super important in the recovery. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a massive fan of uh, the downtime, the pauses and the naps and you know, yeah. we used to live in this world, didn't we? Uh, and, and certainly from my generation, it's like hustle, hustle, work, work. You know, even like with my training, like I still want to do something every day. And, and and I've got a watch that tells me pretty much if I'm overtraining or whatever. And sometimes it will go, yeah. like, you need to have a recovery day. And I'm like, yeah. no, I don't want a recovery day. I want to run. Or I, you know, it's, <laughs> but, but the, it was the mind frame, you know what I mean? Like you said, it's like, that working and like I grew up just kind of like grinding through everything and having that mentality mm. now when it's like okay like it's about the longevity it's about like being smart and sometimes recovery is way more important than actually training Absolutely. sometimes with recovering you could do some sort of mental training and so mm. it's like there's different ways to work but when you're so used to going through the grind and then all of a sudden having to slow your down yourself down and reteach yourself like hey recovery is important it's okay like it's a mm. weird world but now yeah. I'm like Oh, I'm all about recovery. Like, can I just go recover? And my coaches were like, get your ass on the machine. We're working. <laughs> so do you, do you train seven days a week? No, I, uh, so I actually just got train done training, which is why I'm all crazy sweaty and drinking my protein. But, uh, I train Monday through Fridays. Um, and I usually do two a day sessions, but I took yesterday off. I mean, it's been a pretty intense week. So I took yesterday off you know, being smart, mm. listening to my body, had a recovery day and made up for it today. So how to wake up early. Yeah. So you always take the weekends off. Yeah. Yeah. I like to go out and like I said, I have that adventurous lifestyle. So I have a lot of toys at home, my boat, motorcycle, jet skis, all the things. So I like to get out there and play on the weekends. And that's where it's like, even though I'm active, it's like, it's refreshing for me emotionally and mentally. Yeah, absolutely. No, we all, you know, that's a big part of the, the work that I do about getting athletes to see themselves as a whole rather than just identify as their, you know, the sport that they're in, involved in because it can be so all consuming. And, you know, and, and when you become successful, um, then your friends, your families, your neighbors, that's how they identify with you. And that's the one, they just see you as this one thing that, oh, well, you know, I'm a UFC, a UFC fighter or, you know, I'm a sprinter or whatever, an Olympian. Do you know what I mean? And of course, no, none, I, none of like that's just one thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like that's where people, um, including myself, you know, it's hard sometimes to remember, like, fighting is just a part of me. Athletic, mm -hmm. like, that's just a part of me, but it's not who I am. Yeah. And in my opinion, that's where a lot of people get depressed after their careers end or mm -hmm. injuries come into play or things take a toll on them because what they always have known they can't do, but they mm. don't remember who they are outside of that. So I think Absolutely. it's to step back and appreciate your craft, appreciate and uh, like 
the life that you've been blessed with and the talents and stuff, but also like, who are you outside of that? Like, what else do you like to do? Where can you pick off, pick up when all this other stuff is done? You know what I mean? Absolutely. (laughs) That's pretty much my work. You couldn't have explained it better myself, you know, myself. That is so good. And it's so right. And it's, it's keeping um, understanding that we're all made up of different areas and different facets. And, you know, it's getting to know yourself, who you are outside of your sport. And I think maybe that's, maybe it works better for people if they come into their sport a bit later, like you did, you know, when you have, you know, you know, I've worked with footballers and, and sprinters and all kinds of, and they've done that. It's like, since they were the, you know, bitty, itty bitty kids, they don't know anything else. So they don't really know who they are outside of their sport and sport just becomes so dominating. Um, like you quite rightly said, if you say, you know, you get a career uh, injury, career ending injury, um, you know, out of the blue, which can happen, right? To anyone, um, shit, who the hell are you? You know, and that, that, that can be a very difficult transition and uh, transitioning, you know, when you get to the point of thinking about retirement, like, okay, what am I going to do when, you know, this is over, you know, because the phone stops ringing, people stop asking for autographs, people stop, you know, wanting me to do interviews and things like that. And it can be very, very difficult transition and crossing over for people. So, you know, sounds like you kind of got a good balance you're kind of you know you're downtime you make sure you're doing those things that you love outside of your sport yeah I had to uh like I said uh when I started saying that I mean I'm guilty of it too um Mm. I mean all I've known is athletics and when I broke my back like that was one major setback for me and then throughout my fight career you know I mean it's been my fight career really kicked off and then I had some adversity in there and some obstacles and then you know, I kind of had a reset and I was on like this great streak doing amazing things for myself. And then I blew out my right shoulder and had to have total reconstructive surgery. I had to have wrist surgery. And it was just like, even then, you know, like the mentality I had going into surgery, it was like, all right, whatever. Hmm. Uh, my right side doesn't function, but I'm going to go in there and I'm going to still work my left and do all this. And when the doctor like shut down my hopes and dreams and was just like, no, you have to be a couch potato. Like you you straining your left side is going to mess with your right side. And then, you know, I developed a thyroid disease that like that really took a toll on me because then all of a sudden now it's like I'm sitting on my butt. And even though I'm eating clean, my thyroid was messing with me and I'm just gaining all this drastic weight. I'm losing my muscle. And so, you know, I mean, I, I had to go through like all of that and the ups and downs and it took a toll on me mentally, emotionally, Mm. spiritually, physically. Um, And that's where it was just like, how do I pull myself out of this? How do I like remember something different and whatnot? And like, it took work. It took Mm -hmm. a lot of work, took Mm -hmm. a lot of like hardships. I mean, there was a lot of tears there. There was a lot of frustration, but uh, I definitely like as much as I hated those times, like I'm truly grateful for it because I feel like as a person I've like matured, I've learned a lot about myself. Um, I've emotionally evolved and I feel like it only kind of just like, the best is yet to come with everything. You know what I mean? So it definitely changed my mentality as frustrating as that all was to go through. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's really good. And I guess it's le- learning to accept what's in the now, you know, accept what you, you know, has been given to you, whether, you know, that might feel quite tough or whatever, but actually this is exactly where you're meant to be um, and, and embracing everything, which is not easy. That's, that's stuff you have to work on. You, you mentioned that, you, you know, you, you do the kind of mindset stuff as well as the physical stuff. What kind of stuff do you do? What kind of things have you learned around the mindset? And because that's got to be a massive part of, of what you do, getting in the, you know, get, sorry, in the octagon to fight and, you know, 
How, how do you work on your mindset and how's that changed over the years? You know, a lot of people are just like, oh, MMA is so much physical and blah, blah, blah. Like for sure. It's mm. definitely cool. It's a crazy sport, um, any sport. But for me, I always say that it's 90% mental and 10% physical. I mean, to get in there to walking to the octagon is probably one of the hardest things to do. Like it's all the emotions that come flooding with it. And even though here I am 14 years later and I've, it isn't my first rodeo. I mean, it, the emotions just get more and more intense. Like the excitement is there, but then like, how do you deal with all those emotions and being ranked within the top in the world? Like it's a hard place. Like the competition isn't getting easier and you're getting locked into an octagon where somebody else wants to take your head off just as much as you want to take theirs off. Like there's a lot to process there. Um, but for me, you know, I mean, I think I had a really bad habit of relating to the past. It was just like, Oh, like I can remember when I was 24 years old and I was like, Oh, well, I was this kind of athlete. I was that. Mm. And it's almost that thing of like, um, being versus becoming. And so it's like, you know, like look back onto like me at 24 and like, was I a great athlete? Sure. But like, what have I learned since then? Mm. So I've learned to slow my mentality down in that and like, look at the growth that I've done and like, would I actually want to be my 24 year old self again? Not Mm. at all. Like, I actually, even though those struggles and everything that I went through, even though my body may have been different back then, like to see the strength that I have now, the, like all the different things, um, you know, I mean, I feel like I'm just like a more mature version of myself. Like I truly am a veteran pioneer of the sport, uh, for women's MMA. And it's just like, so that's one big thing for me. Um, you know, I mean, emotions, they can get the best of anybody and, I think it's just about how you control those. So for me, sometimes if I feel emotional, I just got to take a step back. I love to journal and it may not even be writing down my feelings, but it may be writing down like a couple things that I'm grateful for throughout the day, minding myself of those things. Or sometimes it just may be, oh, hey, I want to like hit these goals. Um, I'm crazy like OCD. And so I just (laughs) like. sometimes I have to just slow down, even though I'm like training and I have 12 other things that I want to go do afterwards and get myself overwhelmed. Like, it's just all about, you know, I just, I feel like you're, you're as good as your mindset. So Uh, you just got to slow yourself down at the end of the day, things get done all the time. So as much as we feel overwhelmed, as much as we have unnecessary stress sometimes, because if you look at it, when we stress a lot of it's just unnecessary, but if we take Mm -hmm. that breather, slow down, maybe jot down a couple things, take a couple steps back. Like life is definitely a hundred percent different. So that's just me. I, uh, hmm. like I said, I'm journaling, um, the being versus becoming, uh, yeah. attitude for the day. No, I love that. I, I love that. I love that you journal. I journal as well. Um, you know, I have a membership group and, and, you know, we, the guys within that, they will journal. I encourage that, encourage all my one-to-one clients to journal. And like you say, it doesn't necessarily have to be about, you know, thinking emotionally. It's, it's one of those things that just getting all of this scrambled noise in your head out uh, and just releasing that valve and clearing the, clearing the muddy waters and just letting it settle. You what, sorry. Do you ever go back and look like what you write? Sometimes, you know, I don't like to, I don't Do you do that? Do you go back? Like sometimes, Ooh. no, now and then, cause I'm just like, well, sometimes I think about like how I feel and I'm like, every now and then I'll like read back on a page and like, it actually just makes me laugh. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I was feeling that for the day or like, here's my thoughts for the day. But like, now it's like 100% different. It's, it's interesting how like our minds work. Yeah. And it is, you know, like, I think 
the I remember last year I went back I was clearing out a cupboard and I, I found some old journals because I keep them all but I don't go and read them and then I picked up one and I just flipped through it to have a look and it was a year old well, my life had massively changed I'd gone through a divorce I was in a it was a shit show so reading those pages is just like who the fuck is that you know it's just like yeah. it was just chaos mental chaos on pages so and since then I'm like no I'm not I'm not, I'm not reading anymore that close. yeah but I think for me it's just getting rid of the noise and you know I've got a couple of clients like and I was talking to one this week and she is so like an amazing journaler but she will go back and read it and reflect on it um and I guess it's just finding what works for us like you say you know it's great to hear you say that you do it but some people are going to read back back that stuff some people aren't I do think there is there is a good there's there's some good learning that can be done from looking back on it to see how far you've come I think for me looking back is only about seeing how far you come and nothing else um you know you know, looking back to see the strength, the resiliency you've gained and that actually you've changed so much and you're actually a better version now because you're, you're going to be. Uh, and that's for me, that's the only reason to look back on anything really. Quote where it's like the rear view is the rear view mirror is smaller for a reason. Exactly. As opposed to, well, um, and like when you put that in a life perspective, like that is the truth. And so yeah. like, I really love that because it's like, okay, you can look back, but like, like you said, look at the small things, look oh, at like, look at like where you've grown to don't mm-hmm. go back and like, look at like all that and bring up all that negativity back in yourself. And for me, like, you know, again, this is something that I do with, with clients and my membership and anyone, we can all do it. Right. It's just, you know, have a, it's called the three R's you review, you reflect and you reset. And that's what looking back about, I do it every Sunday. I look back over the last seven days. I I reflect on it. I review it. Just just nothing massive, just 20 minutes. And then I reset and I think, okay, what do I want to carry forward from the last seven days? What didn't go well? What can I adjust? What can I change? What brought me joy? Okay, that's what I want to carry forward into next week. And that's what I want to get rid of. I don't spend, I don't dwell a lot of time on it. And I do encourage people to do that. And I, so I think, you know, yeah, I think that just works really well for all of us as well as athletes. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's let's dig into your fights then because I'll, I'll, I've seen some of your photos and fights. Oh, my God. <laughs> Scares the shit out of me. <laughs> what, what would you say has been, what was your lowest point within the sport and, and fighting? As, in terms of fights, like not, not, I know you've had some controversy, but in terms of fights, what, was you, what would you say, I really hated that fight for whatever reason? Honestly, I mean, if I look back on a fight, you know, I mean, obviously I fought for the world title in my career and not many people get that opportunity. And like, mm. that was a super frustrating fight. Um, cause that was in a time frame that I was coming back from an 18 month layoff. I was coming back from all the surgeries. I was coming back from the thyroid issue. Mm. Um, and then we were originally scheduled for December. Um, mm. and I ended up breaking my leg in October, barely avoided amputation, had a lot of nerve damage done. Um, and at this point, like I was already just done. Like I wanted to be back to what I was used to doing and like feeling like myself. And so I pushed myself and like, as frustrating as that was, um, and as, I mean, that being the biggest fight of my career so far, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, I think anybody would probably pick that fight, but I honestly have to say, um, even though that was like one of the biggest struggles and whatnot, and, 
it kind of just like broke me mentally and emotionally uh, just with everything I was going through. Mm-hmm. I think the fight afterwards when I fought Jermaine de Rondemy, like I, I fought in my hometown or my home state. Yeah. Um, I was being tested for thyroid cancer at this time. I started the fight camp. Like I, it was almost like, I just like, wasn't me. Like I, I should have never taken that fight. Like I just, I should have taken the time off and, you know, everybody's like, Oh, it's the 25th anniversary of the UFC. It's in Denver, Colorado. Like you need to be on this card and blah, blah, Mm. blah. And like, I just listened to everybody else besides myself. And I was like, well, you know, maybe if I just push, like I'll get type thing. Um, and you know, I mean that fight to this day, like I haven't gone back and watched it because it's not a fight. That's like going to help me in any shape or form. I, I, was not there at all like I cannot remember fight week I don't remember stepping into the octagon that night I can't picture her across the cage for me um you know I was supposed to be at media day on Thursday Mm -hmm. and instead I'm at an ear nose and throat specialist because I woke up with the double ear infection on top of everything um I ended up missing weight and like I believe hardcore like we have two jobs make weight and go out and fight and Mm -hmm. like it broke my soul to miss weight because I believe in being professional so that was super hard and like I just like, I feel like in that fight, like I really just lost myself, like during that fight week and everything. Mm. And then everything you could think of just was going wrong. And, um, I was just like, Oh, fuck it. Like I'm going out there and I'm going to fight. And like, Mm. after, as soon as it was all said and done, like I said, I don't remember like even a glimpse of it. Um, you know, Dana White was like, are you okay? And I was Mm. like, no, I'm not fucking okay at all. And like, everybody was like, like, what's going on here? You know? And then after that, like, it was just like, I've never cared about anybody's opinions. Like I can care less about the stuff that people have to say on social media, because I mean, everybody in the world has an opinion. (laughs) And if you want to try to, I doubt you'll last about even 30 seconds. So go on with your nonsense. But I started letting that phase me, you know, I was listening to people and they were like, oh, Raquel looks like a freaking what did they call me a a fat lesbian soccer mom they said that I looked like I sat around ate Twinkies all day like all kinds of it was just one sick comment after another and it was like you know I already was like hard on myself like I already didn't know what was going on with my body I already was like scared enough um so I'd actually have to say like that was the fight for me that like was the hardest one of my career so far um and that was it wasn't even the fight it was everything before yeah and I guess the fight is actually in lots of ways within sport is the fight the actual you know for you the fight for other athletes that you know work with like track and field the the actual race it's it's such a small component really uh, of everything that goes on in your world you know because everything outside of that you know decides really what happens in that in that octagon in that ring on that track on that field it's everything outside of it it's the perfect thing of the iceberg. Like mm, you see yeah. the top of the iceberg, people see that success, but they don't see all the underneath, underneath that water. Mm. And there's so much that goes into it so mm. much. Mm. And nobody, that's the part that like, nobody gets to see. Nobody gets to see like who Raquel Pennington is, what's going on. They just see Raquel Rocky Pennington getting ready to fight so-and-so. And then when yeah. a fight doesn't play out a certain way, it's easy. And I mean, yeah. that's, competitiveness that's people like being fans and whatever else like I get that whole thing but there's just there's so much more and I Mm. feel like people like actually pay attention to that as well 
Yeah, no, absolutely. That's why I love doing this podcast and talking to people like you. We just, you know, hearing what it what it truly is is like. Uh, you know, what goes on behind the scenes to, you know, to get to those level those levels. Um, I'm really super conscious of time, and I promise not to keep you too long. Uh, I, what, what's been, I guess, the opposite of that? Then what what's been your highlight? What what was your your best moment? Your best fight, I guess. Um- you know, I think every fight has like something really good to offer. Um, it's always a learning experience. It's always a growing experience. There's always good and bad to take from everything. Mm. I would have to say, honestly, like the pivotal point in my career for me was the ultimate fighter, just experiencing like being in the house, um, basically being able to focus just on my craft. I mean, all I was doing was freaking sleeping, eating and training. And, you know, it took me out of my complete comfort zone. We had no access to the outside world. Um, I grew up super family oriented. Like I said, my family has always been at every single one of my fights. Uh, I've always had the encouragement there. And so to be taken out of that and given like be in a position with coaches that I didn't even know, be in a position with other athletes who are like chasing the same dreams, but then like not even having relationships with them. And then it's like weird. Cause I went into a fight on a Monday at one 30 and I was like, you know, my mom's at work and she has no idea I'm getting into a fight right now. Like <laughs> it was just, it was weird. But then, you know, winning fight of the season, doing amazing things. Um, that was one of those points where it was like, you know, so many people seen the ultimate fighter as the path. Like if you don't win the ultimate fighter, your career is done. It's not going to happen for you type thing. Right. Um, but I learned then that like, sometimes like those things that people see is not the reality. Like, even though I didn't win the ultimate fighter, I had major success on it. Um, and then I ended up signing a UFC contract. I've been the most active for my season. I was the first one called back to even fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I've fought in the best of the best. Like people judge because of, I, I think my record's like 11 and eight, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even pay attention. Cause at the end of the day, like I've done amazing things and the names that are on my resume, like are the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, that was the pivotal point, And that was like, the big thing. And then another moment that stands out for me was being part of making history at Madison square garden when, uh, UFC was finally allowed to fight in New York mm-hmm. and it was major card. The arena was just one of a kind. Um, I actually fought my coach of the ultimate fighter and then we were kind of like teammates slash friends. So there was a lot of emotions, a lot of balance wow. in there that had to go into play. And so I'd probably say those two, the ultimate fighter and then the fight against me state. Yeah. Amazing. What's um? Thank you so much for sharing that. What What would you say is uh? What, what's your aspirations? Because uh, you know I don't know uh, what, how much longer do you think? Say you say fit, physically fit, mentally fit. How much longer do you hope to continue to fight for? And what are your aspirations in that time? You know, I feel like back in the day, um, anybody who looked at an athlete in their mid thirties would be like, "Oh, that's old for sport," mm. but times are changing. Uh, medical is completely different. Like recovery is completely different. So, I mean, like the longevity is just different. Like mm. I feel like I'm 32 getting ready to be 33 in two months. And like, I feel like I'm just now hitting my prime. I, I remember when I first started sport and I fell in love and everything and I was doing all this stuff, I was like, Oh yeah, I'll probably stop around like 32, 33. And then I want my family and all this other stuff. Um, and now like I'm at that point and I'm like, Oh yeah, right. Like I'm yeah. just like, I'm there. And so Um, I probably want to fight for at least five more years. Uh, obviously the ultimate goal is to be the world champion. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I feel like being a true champion, like you have to defend your belt a few times and like prove you deserve that. And like, that's Mm -hmm. where you're at. And like, not so much to the world, but to yourself. And 
that's what I've spent so much time working for. Like you said earlier, I mean, the fight is just a small piece. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when the emotions get high, my coach and I talk about it. And he's like, how many times in this fight camp did you fight this fight? And I'm like, well, shit, with how much work I put in every single day and the amount of hours, like hundreds of times. And he's like, exactly. All I need from you is a maximum of 15 minutes. And so it's like, you know, I just, I want to build my legacy. I want to be the best that I can. I want to prove to myself everything. I want to like everything that I've gotten up for and worked for. Like, I mean, that's everything to me. Nobody's here motivating me and pushing me. Like I'm the one dragging myself out of bed every day. And I'm thankful for the coaches that stand beside me and um, everybody who's supported me. But if I don't choose to go to practice, like I don't have somebody, you know? So it's like, it's, it's building my why it's building my like legacy and, you know, being a high school coach and everything. It's just like, I don't sit here and spit things to my athletes and all of a sudden don't follow through with it. So it's like, I, I have like big goals and aspirations for myself. Yeah. That's, that's an amazing. And you're absolutely right. You know, we see it now in a lot of sports that, you know, athletes are able to compete at a high level for much longer. Um, you know, I was watching the uh, Olympics, uh, the hundred meters uh, and, Shelly Ann Fraser-Parise, she's 34. She's had, you know, just not long had a baby and she's back running. She came second. You know, Serena Williams, Venus Williams playing tennis, Roger Federer, you know, they're playing now until they're late. Basketball. Yeah. I think she's what, nine? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, that, you know, the, there is much more longevity. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, we can keep ourselves pretty pretty fit and, you know, we've got so much more technology around diet. And, and like you say, mindset, you know, not, you know, most athletes I talk to will say, yeah mindset and mental health is like 80 percent of it you know because let's be honest we can all get in the gym and train and train and train and train but you can have all the skill in the world but if you don't have that mindset and that will it's useless it's, it's useless going to the gym you can take your vitamins you can work out as hard as you want but if your head and your heart ain't right mm. don't matter yeah absolutely absolutely so what what does it take to get you in a position to fight for the world championship then because you, you know Obviously, I don't understand fully how it works. And I'm pretty sure some of the people listening to the podcast won't understand. You know, I think for me, um, obviously, I'm coming back off of the layoff and whatnot. So I'm scheduled to fight in September. Um, It's going to go out there and just put on a great performance. Uh, And I think just with my position and everything, I'm only a couple fights away. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, a fight's a fight. I can go out there and put on a freaking highlight performance of my career. And all of a sudden, things can be different. I can be the next person up for the world title. Is so, it an invitation it, thing then, like boxing? Is it like, you know, well, the world champion thinks, you know, they want to put on a good fight and they're going to almost like... Um, I think that a lot just kind of plays into it. I think it's where people are built. It's kind of... The sport has become very... A lot of entertainment. So mm. it's what the fans also want to see. Um, you know, and so... And then it's obviously like what the champions kind of want to do too. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of factors that kind of play into it. Um, but... Like I said, I mean, I think for me, three fights at the most before I have that shot again. Mm, cool. Well, I hope you get it. I'm going to be keeping an eye out now <laughs> to see how you get on. Just one kind of like last question, I guess, is just about, you know, you outside of your your sport. How, how do you sum you up in like five words? How would you describe yourself outside of a UFC fighter? Um. I would say honest, loyal, hardworking, family oriented and spontaneous. Awesome. That sounds really good. And how does it work with you and your partner? Do you train together much or? 
Yeah, so I'm actually a little <laughs> out, which is why I took yesterday off. Um, because she fights next weekend, and so it was just oh, yeah, kind of all that actually. Yeah, yeah, it was just like... kind of one of those things to where, um, I've been helping, like I've been focusing on my camp, but then I've been putting the extra work in to help her prepare for hers. Mm. Um, so I've just been a little bit more tired. Uh, but yeah, we uh we train together. She's obviously smaller than me, and I actually like training with the guys. Um, but no, we a few of our sessions are together this camp. We did a bit more together than usual. There was one point in time where we always trained together. And then it was kind of just hard to where we were living together. We're working together and we're <laughs> doing life together. Like I was like, I need a break. And so <laughs> I separated things um, for a little while and like had my own training sessions and she had her own, but uh, you know, I mean, this one, it was just like, she's not going to get in any better work. You know what I mean? Like mm. everybody can help her in a different way, but like I'm one of the best in my division. And I believe in like training with somebody a little bit bigger than me. Cause it, when I train against the girls that are my size, like they feel like nothing. And so <laughs> like, for her, and I always tell her that, you know, like if you have somebody who can be a great partner, like mm. embrace that. And, you know, I mean, even though I'm bigger than her, like I can let my body flow differently. I can give her the work that she's looking for. I can mimic her um opponents and stuff and just kind of really help her and let her push a pace that she needs to so yeah that's cool how do you how do you uh how does it feel then when you when you watch her fight you know because i don't know if i how i deal with that watching someone you love getting thrown around kicked in kicked and elbowed (laughs) i uh even before the relationship um we've always been friends and i've always been a fan of her and fighting um, I truly believe that like, she is seriously one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world. And mm. that's not just coming from like me caring about her as a spouse, like that's being an athlete and like seeing her true talent. So, you know, I mean, I go through maybe a quick little phase. I need to take a couple deep breaths and like get that energy out, um, of the nerves, but I wholeheartedly just believe in her. Mm. And so I know she can handle her own. She is one of the fastest chicks out there. Um, and so it's just like, you know, I know if she goes out there and she fights her fight, like mm. she's going to do what she does. And so, I mean, for the most part, I'm just excited. Mm. That's good. <laughs> I think her be completely opposite. Like she really she can't function. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Listen, uh, Rocky, it's been really, really good to talk to you. I do think I could probably talk to you for at least another 50 minutes, but I promise not to keep you too long because um, I, I would love to talk to you about all, all things around women in sport and, you know, what, it, what it's like for you guys as a couple and, you know, inclusion, diversity, all of that. Um, Let's do it again. Yeah, do it again. I'd love to do it again and maybe get maybe we could get your partner on as well and we could discuss that because I would love to love to talk to some to to about to you about some of that so maybe after she's had her fight and you've had yours in september maybe we can get you back at the end of the year sounds good awesome thank you so much for today rocky really appreciate it you've been listening to the real life sports show i hope you found some value and joy in this podcast if you have then please tell someone else about it and also while you're at it why not leave me a five-star review also you can share it on your socials You'll find me mostly on Instagram at Sam Adams Coach. You can also check me out at my website, sam-adams.com. Send any comments or any interest in coaching or speaking to my Instagram. Just drop me a DM. I look at all my messages and I respond to every single one of them.